When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, certified international executive coach, emotional intelligence meta coach, change alchemist and managing partner of Cedars and Co. Carol Elzan Gabanez. Hey, what you drink? I, I love the way you said it when you said, release yourself from being the knowing one. It's like, just release the responsibility of being the one with all the answers. Uh, I spent some time studying with Hal Gregerson, who is a MIT lecturer, and he's written several books about the importance of asking questions, because he contends that, especially in today's world, the answers are always changing. What's true today is not going to be true tomorrow. It's probably not even going to be true 15 minutes from now. <laughs> so learning all the answers is really futile. But if you can learn to ask the right questions, if you can learn to ask the questions that will change organizations, that will change people, that will put us in the best possible position, then that's valuable. Uh, you know, I took it from him. He said the only thing worse than getting the wrong answer is getting the right answer to the wrong question. And I find that particularly leaders, we do that. We admire people who have who seem to have the right answers and we're not putting as much honor on the people who ask the right questions. And I know in your work, you're, you're all about asking questions. So what, what's your take on this thought from Hal Gregerson that it's more important to have the right questions, to ask the right questions as opposed to being in pursuit of all the right answers. It is absolutely true. How can you pretend you, you detain the truth without asking yourself the right action, uh, question? Questioning is not being a painful person. It's just getting to figure out what's going on and taking a further uh, a vision that is a wider position, a, a wider vision, looking at things, figuring out what can come out, what, what can happen, and so on. So there is no truth and there is no certainty. Be leaders who, who come with a posture to say, I know best and this is the way to do, unfortunately, those leaders are going to stumble one day, sooner than later. So asking question and powerful question 
this is how you get to get closer to the truth. I love it. Hal even went on to say, and I'm going to paraphrase because he said so many amazing things, but one of the things that stuck out to me is he said that we should not be in pursuit of truth. We should be in pursuit of clarity. And the distinction between truth and clarity, uh, because he was saying, you know, truth is a matter of perception. It's a matter of what's your worldview, you know, what from what side of the room are you looking at this thing, right? What's your I mean, back to what back to what we mentioned before? What's your attitudes? What's your beliefs? What's your feelings? That all of that filters the truth. But if we are in pursuit of clarity, what's actually happening? Which you mentioned earlier, what's actually happening here? You know what's what's actually going on? What are the true implications? of these decisions that we're trying to make, if we can be in pursuit of that level of clarity, then that becomes more valuable to us than, aha, I've got the right answer, finally. You're right. Truth is, uh, we'd say is a concept. Uh, your truth is not my truth and, and so on and so forth. Well, what is important with the questioning is you want to always keep moving. You and me, we, 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 we help leaders to get in motion and into the action. So how do you get in the action? You, you're asking the questions. And the question is, okay, I got there. But okay, well, here another question, because what's going to happen after this move and after the move that happens after the next move, where you, you start moving forward to get the clarity and, and figuring out what's going on? Mm. Do, do, you think, do you think leaders do a good job of asking questions you know so the clients that you work with and the the leaders that you've been exposed to how would you rate on average the the leader's ability to ask questions or are they still focused on trying to find the right answers and and the reason why i ask this question is because i've said that in entry-level positions the way you get noticed is by having the right answer right If, if i can give you the right answer quickly then you have a tendency to be impressed with that, right? He's learned everything. He really knows his stuff. But as you move up in any organization, as you get more seasoned in your craft, that becomes less impressive. What becomes more impressive is, are you asking the right kinds of questions? Are you asking the kinds of questions that will allow us to uncover that clarity? Um, so what's your assessment as to how well leaders uh, that you work with, uh, how good are they at asking and thinking in terms of questions? It's a difficult question and at the same time, uh, an easy one. The leaders that I have the, uh, the opportunity to, to work with, most of them are in a position whereby we are in a scheme where they believe that somehow they're going to save whatever is happening in the whole in the whole uh, corporation. So somehow they feel responsible of every single little thing that is happening. Which, okay, as a CEO, obviously you are responsible, but are you responsible of every little bit tiny? So in terms of questioning, uh, they tend to ask a lot of questions, which, in my opinion, are what I would say practical questions but they are not what I would say pertinent questions. And you don't need to ascertain yourself and feel comfortable by occupying the whole space with a lot of questions. One question is sometimes the right pertinent question is more than enough. 
So you don't need to occupy the space. Take a deep breath and leave the space to your associates and invite them to to bring it in. Yeah, I love that. You, you don't have to flood the space by constantly hearing your voice asking the questions. But if you can teach that trait to your organization so that they're constantly a- asking the right questions, that's so valuable. Uh, one question, and you, you've actually, you actually brought this up, one question that I often try to have in the back of my mind, and I may articulate in a different way, especially when I'm working with organizations from a consulting standpoint, but also when I'm, a, when I'm coaching. And that question is, what's really going on here? That speaks to clarity, right? What's really going on here? What, what's the real issue that we should be addressing? And I, I think those leaders who do a great job, and I'm excited to have several of them on this, uh, on this podcast that do an incredible job, they're usually asking that question, what's really going on here? Yes, it is a critical question. And you can also ask the, the other question is, what is critically important to you? Like, what is at stake? Because very often, you know, you have a whole presentation of the context, da 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 Okay, but what is the real important point? What is at stake here? Mm-hmm. Are you putting your neck out or what? And getting the leader to acknowledge the fact that, okay, this is where I need to put my focus. What is really at stake here? Yeah, because there are there are dozens, sometimes hundreds of things that a leader could could focus on, right? One of the um, comments I heard someone say is, "How do you separate the data from the noise?" There's a lot of noise at that leadership yes. table, and if you're going to be an effective leader, you're going to be able to separate the data that you've got to focus in on from the noise that might be interesting to know, but it has nothing to do with this critical thing, as you brought up, Carol, that you need to be focused on. There's a discipline there that effective leaders typically adhere to. Okay, so another thing that I I just literally just learned that you and I have in common is a fondness for Miles Davis and John Coltrane. Where does that come from? You know, you're not supposed to know about Miles Davis and John Coltrane all the way over there in Paris, France. What, what you, what's going on here? Okay, well, this is an open invite to you, Galen. When you come to Paris, I'm taking you to Caveau de la Huchette, where you have fantastic jazz. And some of those places, and I don't remember the name of the place, uh, Miles Davis came and played there. Ah. So, yeah. It's great music. Now, don't ask me to give you names of songs or, or because I'm very bad with that. But I so much enjoy sitting down and listening. Yeah. So now what now, you know, I've made a big deal about this connection between jazz and leadership. I mean, it's it's the daggum name of the whole podcast. Right. Whiskey, jazz and leadership. What is that connection for you? How, how does jazz connect to what you do as a developer of leaders? Jazz and leadership, it's all about being absolutely aware in the moment of what's going on, listening carefully, and being able to react smoothly. 
So this is what I like about it. And it takes you in a totally different dimension. I love it. Being in the moment, being aware of what's going on and then being able to react. Boy, I tell you, that is so well said. So well said because my favorite jazz musicians have not just been able to play the music, but they've been able to accentuate things that happen in the moment and allow things that happen. And Herbie Hancock famously told the story about when he first started playing piano with Miles Davis. Uh, he was honored to be there, but he was kind of nervous because this is Miles Davis, right? And he played some notes wrong. He made a mistake and he somehow, he was, he was off. And Miles Davis noticed that he was off because he didn't miss much. And instead of getting upset in the moment, Miles Davis played a tune, played a riff that made Herbie Hancock's mistake sound amazing and changed the tenor of that, of that song that they were playing. And I think that that's the mastery of jazz and that's how it connects with leadership because you know, we, we talked about certainty before and how there's limited certainty. You know, one thing is for certain, and that is that no plan is ever going to go exactly the way it was laid out. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I would add that the beauty of jazz is obviously this connection between the musicians, which is a characteristic of good leadership. And also when they do a riff, and you, you've lived that for sure, Galen. They take you with them. You get goosebumps. They embark you. And this is also very much linked with leadership. You can embark people. If you are really there in the true connection and rhythm, poof, everybody comes up. In season one, uh, in my conversation with, with Aaron Dickey, he brought on a legendary jazz musician. Uh, he absolutely surprised me. Craig Holiday Haynes who is an amazing drummer. Uh, and he's also the son of Roy Haynes, who is like really, really iconic as a jazz drummer. And Craig Holiday Haynes was actually named in part after Billie Holiday, which I know is one of your, your favorites. But one of the things that Craig Holiday Haynes said is that when he plays the drums, he's playing the beat, but he doesn't want you to just hear the beat. He wants you to feel it. And that doesn't necessarily mean playing loudly. That just means playing in a way where you feel what he's trying to convey. I just reminisce on that comment when I just hear you talk about this connection between jazz and just being a, in a tune, uh, being in tune with those people around you. It is so powerful. Okay, so now why why Billie Holiday and Nina Simone? I don't know. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Every time I have to think about uh, I'm, I'm, I'm building something, I'm preparing something, that's the music that I put. There's strength, there's smoothness, there's energy, and all this take me into a whole different dimension. So they are really my preferred singer. I almost hate say, saying this and using this word anymore because it's so overused, but there's an authenticity. There, yeah. there is a sense that they are feeling what they're, what they're singing about. 
this is why it, you travel with them. I mean, first of all, there's a connection that happens immediately, and then you are in your in your own bubble, and you're connected with Billie Holiday or Nina Simone, and ooh, you're traveling. I love it. I love it. And then, and then, you know, you and I again, we're 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 both in this leadership executive coaching space. One of the people that uh, we typically reference a lot is Mr. Viktor Frankl, and he's the author of. Man's Search for Meaning, where he talks about the mindset that allowed him to emerge from a Holocaust concentration camp experience to actually make it out on the other side. And it was through the mindset that he held. That he held. Uh, but you've got a favorite quote that I have not, I don't usually hear as the favorite quote. So share a little bit uh, about why you like his phrase that when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Talk to me about what that means to you. Well, everything is between your hands as an individual. So you can always move on and make it whatever happened, the consequences of this and that that is external to you. At the end of the day, the reality is that you are the agent of change. So the moment you are conscious of this, then you are really opening up the gate to get to the top of the world, of your own world. And, and we're going back to everything that we've said previously. You have the power in your hand. And it's not what happens externally that is responsible of everything. The answers are with you. The day you find the way, then you can move on in a much better way, in a much better posture, especially as a leader. And this is a quote that I use often with my coachee, the leaders. It's like, okay, the service, this, the service. Okay, what about you? Not everybody else's behavior that counts also or is the, the source of the problem. What about you? Mm. There, there's a there's a responsibility that goes along with that, and I think that that's frightening, right? I've said it this way, and it's it's kind of funny, but I think that there's some truth to it. I've said that there's some good news and there's some bad news associated with what you just said, Carol. The good news is that if you don't like the way your life is going or the way that your organization is going, the good news is, well, you've got the power to change that. The bad news is if you don't like the way that your life or your organization is going, well, you've got the power to change that. I mean, it's, it's, it's you and that's the bad news. It's all around the emphasis that you, that you place on that responsibility. Do you see that as a burden, therefore making it, a bad, making it bad news? Or do you see it as power, therefore making it opportunity and making it good news. And I think that that might be troubling a lot of people. Why do you believe that might be a trouble a realization for some people? Because all of a sudden, it is acknowledging the fact that they are the starting point. And then it's like, okay, so I can pretend whatever of all the external contingencies, I am the solution. I can find a solution. I need to accept that and welcome that. 
And this is the acceptance that is important. Accepting where you stand and what you can do. Wow. I can't think of anything else to add to that. That was absolutely amazing. And that is why I just love hanging out with you, Carol. I mean, every project that we've worked on together, uh, every conversation that we've been in, uh, because we've done some group things together, some group conversations together. We've done some one-on-one things together. And I just really love knowing that I've got someone like you in my contact list that I can reach out to just for perspective, even if you're on the other side of the world. You know, I think our biggest challenge has been trying to work out the the, the time differences between uh, when we want to connect with each other. But you you are just a real, real chief in this space and in this industry. Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you directly, either in Europe uh, or here in the United States? Because I know you're doing some work in the U.S. as well. They can contact me directly, uh, either if they go on well, my website, Cedars uh, & Co. They have contact details there, or they can reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn. And I have an email address that is uh, difficult to spell uh, on, uh, on the podcast. It is lzncc at cedarsandco.com. So I am very reachable and I am... Uh, very international also. So uh, it's not because I'm based in Paris that I do not operate in the U.S. Anybody who wants to reach me can can reach me either way via LinkedIn, via my website, cedarsandco.com or on my email address, uh, lzncc at cedarsandco.com. Well, fantastic. Well, there you have it, guys. Again, just an, an, another friend. This is just another friend in my contact list, right? This is just another person I get to hang out with on a daily, weekly basis. And I'm just so honored and proud that I get to share this with all of the listeners on Whiskey Jazz and Leadership. So, Carol, let's raise our glass and uh, toast out. Thank you so toast much. Out. It's been amazing. Cheers. Thank you to you, Galen. And I'm so honored. And it has been a fantastic hour that we spent together. Thank you so much. And cheers to you. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guest and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.